So, good morning, everybody. My name is Mark Common. I think it's a little loud. Um, how's the sound at the back? Yeah, good. So, thank you for coming out on a Saturday morning. Saturday, beautiful day. Beautiful day to practice. So, um, I'm always curious who's here and why who's here is here. Um, so, how many of you are new to Spirit Rock today? This is your first time. Welcome. And um, for how many of you is this your first day-long mindfulness meditation re- retreat? Yeah. Good. Welcome. And how many of you who are here have signed up for all four days? So this is, if those of you who don't know, this is, this is a, a day long, but it's part of a course, four-part series on the four foundations of mindfulness. And um, so today we'll be exploring the first foundation, the foundation of body, mindfulness of body. So... Um, I haven't got to the why question yet. <laughs> so what brings you here to study this today? Maybe you're on your way to the beach and you thought, oh, spirit rock, that looks good. <laughs> Too cold at the beach, the fog's in. Uh, anybody want to say just in a word or two? Yeah. I was in a six, I, I have chronic pain and mm. I was in a six-week program designed to take care of the pain and the emphasized meditation. Mm-hmm. And so I've been meditating, this, this, this was in February, and I've been meditating ever since, and I thought that this would be a perfect pathway for me yes. to increase Good. my ability to meditate. Yeah, great, welcome. So sometimes we come out of some initial practice and working with the body and pain. Mindfulness is very effective, as you probably notice, working with pain. Yeah. I, excuse me, I signed up for the series because I wanted to experience different teachers. Mm-hmm. And I've been really time challenged lately, and I wanted to make a statement to myself that I could make time for, for this practice. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. it, it is a statement to come here and do a retreat. It's a statement of, you know, where we mostly live pretty busy lives and. And it's a commitment to ourselves and our practice, our meditation, our awakening, to take time out of that busyness. You know, retreats are, are designed for that, to, to you know, step out of our usual groove, a habit of rushing, busyness, doing, planning, and to stop, to slow down, and to, to take a little deeper look. What's going on? Who's here? What is this? What does it mean to be awake, to be mindful, to be present? What, what is that? What's revealed when I'm present, as opposed to running around like a madman, mad person? Yeah, at the back. I'm a marriage family therapist. I work with this in my practice, and this is where I come to let my soul Uh-huh. Nice. So she's a therapist, and this is where she comes to catch up with herself. Nice. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, so mindfulness is 
as you may know, is becoming, it's become very vogue <laughs> of late. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's in O Magazine, and it's in <laughs> all kinds of places that I wouldn't have dreamed it would be. You know, when I started meditating in 1981, and then started doing mindfulness practice in 1984, in, Lo- in the East End of London, and uh, it was considered very weird. My parents had thought I'd join a cult, and um, I was, yeah, it was just very obscure in, in, in those days. And the last five years or so, it's, it's really hit the mainstream, with, particularly with the advance in uh, research, neuro-research, neuroscience research. And also its practical applications and the, the studies that's been done in the medical benefits, the health benefits, the stress reduction benefits, the attention concentration benefits, the performance enhancement that, you know, basketball teams like the Lakers now meditate and Gary Lincecum, or however you pronounce that name, is a meditator from the Giants and you know, so it's become very you know, accessible and uh, which is great, actually. Probably maybe why some of you are here. Maybe you wouldn't have heard of it and had it not reached out into the mainstream <clears throat> in that way. And um, And then we have to, maybe a lot of you read about it, studied it, lots of books now on Buddhism and lots of audio courses online and all kinds of things. And then we actually have to practice it. <laughs> so this class course today will not be, uh, you know, I'll be sharing some of the teachings about mindfulness, but the, the, the emphasis here is on a direct experience a direct knowing and understanding of this viscerally, experientially, through our practice. So, um, which is very different than having a PhD in mindfulness. So, as we'll see today, this is a very simple, very direct, as the Buddha said, it's a direct way to alleviate suffering. Direct and in, as in, it's we contact the immediacy of our experience. Any other, yes, comments while you're here, Christopher? I, uh, I've been doing a daily practice, and this retreat is a chance to deepen my practice. Great. Yeah. So doing a daily practice and doing a retreat a day long like this is a way for it to be deeper, for sure. Anything else? Anything else that brings people here today? Yeah. I um, lived overseas for about eight years, and I did a, a yoga teacher training and then a meditation teacher training, and then came back. I've been back to the states for about two and a half years, and the style of meditation just hasn't been resonating with me. It sort of takes me out rather than has me in. Mm-hmm. So I've started coming out here, and it's starting to feel right, mm-hmm. sort of more present. Mm-hmm. More embodied. Yes. yes. So I'm, I'm changing course again. Uh-huh. Good. Yeah. And that's often true in our spiritual life. We has many evolutions. And as your what's your name? 
Deb's pointing to that this practice is, a, is an in-the-body practice, it's an embodied practice, and particularly the emphasis today, of course, is on mindfulness of the body, and so I'll be emphasizing a lot the uh, being grounded, having the attention grounded in a felt sense body experience. So often there's an association with meditation being this mystical, blissful, ecstatic, out-of-the-body sort of ascending experience. And this practice is actually how do we inhabit and embody, how do we be here in, our, in, in, this, in this body, in this moment. So, and in our lives, most of our lives, we're not so in our body unless it's interrupting us by being having pain or discomfort or hungry or tired. So, the Buddha, um, back in the day, a few thousand years ago, um, clearly saw the benefit and the value of grounding awareness in the body, grounding awareness in the present moment through the body as a direct path to understand ourselves, understand what's true, and to awaken. So it's a very simple practice, very immediate, and also very profound. He said that everything you need to learn, everything you can know is in this fathom-long body. A fathom is about six feet. So, so we mentioned in the literature that this book, uh, Satipatthana, Satipatthana means uh, Foundations of Mindfulness, Domains of Mindfulness. Uh, this book will be like a course book for those of you who are taking all four, and, and even if you're not, I highly recommend it. It's a very thorough, detailed exploration of the, the text, or the, the original teaching that the Buddha gave on this subject, on the four foundations. And so I'll be pointing a little to that today, and we'll give you a copy of the piece, the section that's focused on the body today. So I came across this line today that I thought was interesting. You know, there's an, that we often use the expression, your body is a temple, but the full phrase, your body is a temple only if you treat it as one. So most of the time, I'm not sure shoving in Mac Big Fries and Coca-Cola and multitasking on the freeway is necessarily treating our body like a temple. So that's an interesting reflection. How do we retreat our body? What's our relationship to our body? So we'll be exploring the experience of the body and also how we relate to it, how we feel about it. So there's a, a passage at the beginning of this text, Satipatthana Sutta, which is um, where the Buddha sort of lays out the map, in a way, or the potential of the, this teaching. He says, O oh, meditators, there is a direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow, for the disappearance of pain and discontent, requiring the true method for the realization of Nibbana, peace, 
namely the four foundations of mindfulness. So he's saying this, this system that he developed, this methodology, which he really developed himself, um, was the path that he used to attain awakening. So at the time of the Buddha, there were many spiritual traditions and practices, uh, meditation disciplines, and he learned from many of those. A lot of them were deep concentration practices, deep absorption practices, devotional practices, ascetic practices. But this practice that he developed was really came out of his own understanding of, of cultivating this very careful, precise, embodied attention to a moment-to-moment experience. That's really what mindfulness is. Direct, connected, moment-to-moment awareness of the unfolding of our experience. And he goes on to say, in regard to the body, a monk abides contemplating the body, diligent, clearly knowing and mindful, free from desire and discontent in regard to the world. So we'll be cultivating some of those qualities. Clarity, clearly knowing our experience. Clearly knowing what's what. Mindfulness is, we can say it's a, it's a knowing of what's what. Knowing of what is in the moment. This is another quote from the Buddha from a different text. He says, just as in the month of the rains, the last month of the rains in autumn, when the sky is clear and cloudless and the sun on ascending the sky overpowers the space immersed in darkness, shines and blazes and dazzles, in the same way all skillful qualities are rooted in mindfulness, converge in mindfulness, and mindfulness is reckoned among the foremost of them. So in terms of Buddhist practice and understanding Mindfulness really is the central quality that we develop to know ourselves, to know the truth, to understand. And we, we develop mindfulness not as an end in itself, but to develop what? To develop wisdom, to develop knowing, to develop clarity. So we're all here for some, re- we all come from many different reasons. And the Buddha taught in response to the human condition the human experience of dissatisfaction or suffering or pain. Anybody not experiencing any of that? (laughs) Yeah, so part of the human condition is there's change, there's suffering, there's pain, there's unsatisfactoriness, there's, there's existential angst, there's losses, and many different things that we have to deal with in the course of our everyday lives. And so this, the, this teaching is, a, is a, a response to that. How do we live in this world with its pleasure and play, pleasures and pains, joys and sorrows, with awareness, with openness, with clarity, with dignity, with presence, with kindness, compassion, with equanimity? So we start to know, to know uh, the Buddha said, I teach one thing and one thing only, suffering and the end of suffering, or happiness and the cause of happiness. We want to understand, what is it that makes us 
that makes this life challenging? What do we add to our experience that makes it difficult? Why are we not just simply at peace? You know, as you come here today and you know, Spirit Rock's beautiful place, beautiful ground, it's a lovely spring day. Why are we not simply happy and at peace? Yeah. What are we carrying with us that makes that, that we drag suffering around like a heavy bag of potatoes or something? Yeah. So, so to understand that, to understand the potential to be at peace and at ease, we have to understand what gets in the way. So, we, so this quality of mindfulness is what we use. And the quality of mindfulness is a particular kind of attention. Sometimes it's referred to as bear attention, not like grizzly bear, but like bear, naked attention, where we're simply with our experience as it is. So if you hear the sound of this bell, for example, bear attention simply, there's a, there's a, you know, the, the sound appears and there's a, just a you know, vibration in the ear and there's a knowing of the sound. That's a simple bear attention. And then usually we move quickly from bare attention to some other kind of attention where we're lost in our thoughts and ideas and concepts and judgments and preferences and feelings and reactions. So we quickly move from just the simple sound and then we either space out um, or we start thinking like, oh, nice bell. Cool, I wonder if they sell those in the bookstore. And maybe at the break, you know, I can get there before everybody else and grab the only best bell there is. And you know, my friend just got back from Japan. They had really nice bells. I should have got her to get me one. I should go to Japan sometime. Maybe I can get them cheaper and sell them here. And, you know, and then we just gone and we, we we're manufacturing bells in Japan. And you know, and then we oh yeah, right, bell, sound, hearing. Oh, bear attention, just hearing. Okay. Yeah, and that's what we we do that all the time. You know, we see something and rather than just seeing a person, we have some ideas, some views, some preference, some judgments, some story, and then remind us of our mother or our niece, and then, oh, I wonder how they're doing now. They must be at grad school, and, you know, and then we've gone again. <clears throat> so mindfulness is also, so this quality of attention uh, is free from uh, judgment, so it's a non-judgmental, non-interfering, which means we're not doing anything with our experience, we're simply allowing it to be as it is, which is actually very radical, because we're very quick and keen to do something and fix and change and manipulate and improve upon our ex- or get rid of our experience that we like and we don't like. So we shift from just being with something as it is to having a bias or a preference and then doing something about it. I want more of that. I want to get rid of the stuff I don't like. So we're not interfering with our experience. We're just simply resting in awareness and, and noticing what's coming and going. And there's an immediacy. There's a directness. The, the Buddha talks about the direct path. Direct path means we're in direct contact. We're not analyzing or conceptualizing our experience. So when we pay attention to the breath, we're not thinking about the breath, we're not visualizing breath, we're just feeling what's this sensation of this 
this experience called breathing. What does it feel like in the body, the movement, the sensations? It's a quality of knowing, quality of knowing what is, knowing what's happening. It's not an intellectual knowing, it's a direct knowing. And another way to, to go to get a sense of that is the, the Buddha gave a bunch of uh, interesting metaphors for this quality of, of what's called sati, sati is, the, is the original term, which literally means remembering or memory or attending to. So mindfulness is a form of attending, attending to with intention, int- intending to be present to something. Without trying to change it, <clears throat> so these metaphors. One of them was um, uh, the watchtower. So you imagine if someone's at the top of a watchtower and they're able to have a sweep awareness of the whole territory. So sometimes awareness, mindfulness, has this sort of global perspective. Uh, he also gave the metaphor of um, uh, the cow herder, so um, or shepherd actually, maybe it's, you're more familiar with, um, where the shepherd's leaning up against the back of a tree and he's watching his flock and or his herd of cows, like you see a lot in India still, and he's relaxed but alert. So he's not, he's not falling asleep and the cows are eating all the farmer's you know, wheat fields and causing havoc, but he's not manically harassing them and corralling them every two seconds. So he's just relaxed but attentive. This is a very important quality we develop, the relaxed presence. So we're not like a cat over a mouse hole, I've got to be present now, and then what about now, what about now? And we're not like in our lazy boy going, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very, you know, we're not spaced out. We're alert but relaxed. Um, he gave the analogy of a surgeon. So that sometimes we, the mindfulness is very precise. So that just like a, the skill of a surgeon going in with a probe. Um, And, and then he gave this analogy of um, <clears throat> uh, um, it's slightly odd. It's, he gave an analogy of an elephant's head. So when an elephant, there's uh, some phrase where he said, there are two things in this world that look fully uh, and turn their whole body to look at something rather than turn their head to look at something. Elephants and Buddhas. So, so when you, so an elephant doesn't really have much range of motion in its neck. So when it wants to t- look at the tree behind it, it turns its whole body. Yeah. So the the, the meaning is when we when we're present to something, we, we're really we're giving our full ex, full self to it, our full you know giving our full attention rather than just like rather than you know multitasking or casually. So it's a full presence of mind. So, so why do we do this, and why do we need to do it? Why do we need to come all the way to Spirit Rock to learn how to pay attention? 
surely you've learned how to pay attention. <laughs> Didn't our teachers at school, you know, shout it so much? Pay attention. <laughs> so, and clearly we have, you know, we all have some powers of attention and concentration. Otherwise, you would have crashed your car. You would have missed your mouth when you're putting the cereal into. You know, you would have done all kinds of. You would have tripped over the the steps coming up the steps there. So we clearly have a, a modicum of attention, otherwise that's how we function. But if we really pay attention, we see how scattered and distracted and restless and uh, untrained the attentive mind is. So we'll see when we, when we come to meditate. You know, we give this simple practice of paying attention to the breath, as most of you know. Very simple. But to actually sustain that attention is not so easy. Because... Uh, habituated patterns are not to be focused and steady of. Our, our mind is, is, is scattered. And with our technology now, it's ex- exaggerating that already slightly manic tendency of splitting and uh, multitasking. And as one person said at this conference I went to, Wisdom 2.0 conference, we've developed constant partial attention. That's what a technology does, you know. So you're expected to be online, doing your email at work, while also being a, you know, open to being on the phone. And so there's a constant impartial attention, which actually feels quite unpleasant when we really pay attention, as opposed to a full attention, like the turning of the elephant's head. So, um, so we, and so part of mindfulness is a training. There's a training in attention and concentration. But why? Because we're mostly not in the present moment. We're mostly lost in our heads, in our thoughts, in our plans, in our memories, in our reactions, in our stories, our dramas. And so we miss the, the richness and the beauty and the, the quality of the present moment. So, how many of you can remember the way you came here, driving? You know, how, many, how much, how much can, of the drive can you remember? You know, or were you mostly on autopilot or on your cell phone? You know, or something? You know, eating breakfast, cleaning your teeth, you know, putting your makeup on. I'm always amazed when I see people driving. <laughs> These people don't poke their eyes out when they're doing the eyeliner pencil. It's like it's always scary to me. No sudden movements, please. So I've seen, you know, I remember driving down past Fairfax and seeing this car with a six-pack of beer on top of the car. You know, obviously had just gone shopping and forgotten to put, you know. So we all do that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, I had this great story once of this, um, this couple was on a road trip and uh, they pulled into a gas station. The, the woman goes in to get the, get some groceries and stuff, and the man fills up the gas tank, gets back in the car and drives off, and a few miles down the road he realizes something missing, and says, oh, it's his wife. <laughs> you know, so a lack of attention can be really bad for our relationships, amongst other things. So, yeah, so we get to see one of the first insights we have doing mindfulness practice is we see how much we're not in the present, and we're lost in thought. 
lost enough stories. So I was teaching retreat recently up the hill and there was an architect on the retreat and the, the, the meditation hall up the hill has this beautiful roof and lots of interesting beams and and he spent the whole retreat analyzing the beams and the weight load, weight bearing structures and how we would do it differently and, and another person on the retreat who was redesigning the color of the room and um, doing a lot other than being with themselves and their breath and their body. And, you know, so we'll find in the mind, we'll find anything to, to do other than just be here. So sometimes we're not here because it's painful to be here. It means we have to feel the pain of our body or the difficulties in our heart, the sorrow, the loss, the sadness, whatever we're not so comfortable being with. So, so today we'll get to see what, 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 where, you know, I want, want people to pay attention. Where do you go when you're not here? Pay attention to wh- where you go. So we'll have various objects of things to pay attention to, breath or body or walking or something, sounds. And then what happens? Where does the attention go when it's not with those things? So in the day like this, we'll spend a lot of the morning just gathering, collecting, unifying the attention because of this, because of this tendency, this habit of our mind being so scattered. And, um, and we'll cultivate this quality, what we call beginner's mind. Beginner's mind is, um, as it is what it says, it's, the, it's the, the quality of attention we bring to something when, we, when we're new, when we don't have our, a lot of preconceptions or ideas or history with it. Just like a child is often, you know, childlike curiosity is very alive and fresh and curious. Same too when we bring our attention to the practice, we want to have that quality that's fresh. What is this? There's a practice in Korean Zen that just simply asks the question, what is this? What is this breath? I'm not asking you to think about this, but it's, it's an attitude. What is this? What is this moment? What is this sitting here? What is this body? What is this breath? What is this awareness? What is it like to be here right now? And then right now. And then right now. So there's a line, a couple lines from T.S. Eliot who speaks to this where he says in the Four Quartets, we shall never cease from our exploration and at the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive exactly where we started and know the place for the first time. So that's what we do here. At the end of all our exploration, all our mindfulness practice, our meditation, our examination, our curiosity is to arrive just where we started, which is always here, and to know it for the first time, which means to see it fresh. Yeah? So maybe you've been meditating for 20 years and you've followed 10 trillion breaths, but this next breath has never been born before. You know, this next moment, this sound, this experience, this, this moment that just passed has just will never be repeated. So we want to wake up, pay attention. And we'll be uh, particularly focusing on mindfulness of the body. And um, we'll get to see how the body is a great resource and support for meditation, for mindfulness. Partly because the body is always in the present moment. 
the body is always accessible, it's direct, it's immediate. The senses are always in the present. So when you're hearing, you're in the present. When you're feeling your body tingling or aching or expanding or breathing, you're, you're in the present. The mind mostly takes us into, who knows where, la-la land mostly. A lot of thoughts that we've thought a lot about before anyway. This is from Achan Mun, who is a great, one of the great meditation masters of Thailand, who was a teacher of Achan Cha, who was the teacher of Achan Jack Cornfield and Achan Samedo. He says, in your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to leave the body. Examine its nature, see the elements that comprise it, see its changing nature, its unreliability, unreliability, the selfless nature of the body while sitting, walking, standing, or lying down. When its true nature is seen lucidly and fully by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth time and delivered. So we're really taking this first line from that passage today. In, in, in the in investigation of the world, in your practice, never allow the mind to leave the body. Never allow the body to leave the mind. So as you're sitting right now, what's your experience right now as you sit? Are you feeling your body? Are you in contact? What are you in contact with? Are you mostly in contact with your thoughts and listening and thinking about what I'm saying? Are you aware of your body? you feel your feet? You know, as soon as we direct our attention, if I say, okay, feel your buttocks, awareness arises there. The mind is in the body. Feel your elbows. Feel the belly. So to stay present in your body, so as you're listening, listen through your body, which means have a lot of awareness in your body as you listen. Because the body is this this field of receptivity and sensitivity. And, you know, um, that understanding that 90% of what we listen to is through the body, the body language. So the body is receiving a lot of information. When we're tuned to the body, we have a lot more information available. And there's always responses happening in the body. Whether you like something, don't like something, resisting, reacting. So keep, you know, keep at least 50% of your attention in your body. So there is a way to sort of settle back. Sometimes we're very, we're very um, kind of head focused and we lean outward with our experience, with our mind, and we can settle back and, and receive just as much, if not more, with this relaxed attention, sensing the body.
So the last thing I want to say before we do some practice is um, I think of when doing mindfulness practice, there's two things we're attentive to. We're aware, we're attentive to what's happening, the actual experience. It might be the breath or sound or sensation or feeling, thoughts, images, person. And then there's uh, what's happening in response and relationship to those events. So that we generally less conscious of. So we're listening to the talk, but maybe not so aware of our attitude. Might be openness, might be receptive, might be resistant, might be argumentative, might be oppositional. We're not. We're normally caught in the stream of our reaction or relationship to something. So with mindfulness, we want to pay attention to both of those things because it's our relationship, our attitude that we bring to experience that really uh, is the, the key, really, between our suffering and our freedom. Because so much of what we bring to our experience is actually what causes suffering. The reactivity, the grasping, the hating, the fighting, the struggling with, with what is. And in particular, to um, also bring forth uh, a quality of so many qualities, actually. So we infuse a quality of mindfulness with some essential qualities like patience, like kindness. So, because it's not so easy to be human, not so easy to be in a body, and not so easy to be with a mind that's kind of wacky and all over the place and tells funny stories. And, and so we want to be patient with ourselves, not have not have unrealistic expectations that by 11:45 you'll be enlightened. Well, of course you might be, <laughs> but um, you know that, that my experience that spiritual practice happens slowly. It's a, it's a slow developmental process through deepening awareness and um, and then to be kind with ourselves, which means to hold our experience with with uh, lightness, with kindness, with warmth. We're so hard on ourselves and so critical mostly and, 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 and we, you know, we push ourselves and we judge ourselves and we beat up on ourselves. And, and so to see if we can not continue that stream of pressure but actually to have an attitude that's friendly is really the orientation. We have a friendly attitude to ourselves, towards our experience, which for some people might be quite radical. Huh, friendly to myself? I'm friendly to other people, but you know, I'm not so much to myself. So what would it be to, to hold yourselves today with a kind of a spirit of friendliness, to be your best friend? There's this line I also read today, make your feet your best friend. I'll use that instruction in the walking. Make your feet your friend. So make whatever today your friend, your breath, your sorrow, your wacky thoughts. Okay. So in terms of the structure of the day, so um, I'll be saying things throughout the day. I'll be doing some guided meditations on uh, focused around the body, and we'll alternate the sitting meditation with walking meditation. And then um, if ever you need to ask a question, please just raise your hand, and 
I want to make this day interactive, and, and often the most useful stuff comes from when you ask questions, because then I can speak to what's really going on for you, for you and your own experience. So, um, is there any questions thus far about what I've said, or um, about the structure of the day? Uh, and, 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 then it, and the questions will be most helpful if they're about your direct experience. So I'm not particularly wanting to go into any philosophical questions, or, but really like, what's, how does this relate to my experience? What's coming up in your experience in the meditation? So the, the, so the day has a practical emphasis. Yeah. Um, when you rang the bell and you spoke about how we are having make a bare attention to the sound of the bell and then our thoughts take over about more different things. But what I was feeling was I heard the bell and I heard the sound of the bell and then I had a thought that was just very simple. It seemed constricting. It was the bell must mean something. It must be tying for something. It was just, that was kind of a mm-hmm. thought about the bell that I didn't carry on into all the other stuff. So I I was wondering is what that what, what that means. Is that? Yeah, that's what the mind does. It makes you know, it's it's not that it's not that those thoughts are necessarily wrong or bad or shouldn't happen. You know, we, we make a lot of necessary discernments, evaluations, meaning that often has relevance. Um, but what happens is we the, the point of what I was trying to say is we get lost in that in the mental component or the overlay of it rather than and we, we lose contact with the immediacy of the experience in this case the bell I just thought it was time for something but then my thoughts just kind of subsided. right well the, I mean it usually thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate